0: Let's go, people. I am fired up. This is the Emergency 9 Golf Podcast. Jay Bird is along with me. I'm Mike. McLean is in parts unknown in Arizona, out west. Um, business meetings, time zone difference is not going to work out this week, so he will not be joining us. I think Liv might be hosting a convention out there or something. Live Con, <laughs> he's probably at. He's
1: um, such a business businessman. He's, you know, always he's like- def-
0: Wait a minute. This is our 80th episode. I think everyone listening to this knows he is definitely not a businessman.
1: <laughs> he, he he
0: acts the part, though. He um, can. And then he can also get drunk on grapes, and he doesn't seem like yeah. he's uh, the businessman kind of type. <laughs> true,
1: true, true. So, uh, there's a good chance that he is drinking wine right now. Oh, 100%.
0: Well, oh, it is only 6.15 out there. It's 9.15 for us here it's on the East easy. Coast.
1: He's as we record
0: this. Right uh, but thanks for uh, for tuning in and listening. As always, we are doing this on a Tuesday night. Um, I think we're probably going to have a Tuesday night show next week as well. But um, hopefully everyone had a chance to listen to our, our episode. Last week was a little bit of a different format. We had a, a guest on, Andy Pope. Uh, it was kind of part interview, part our normal formatted show. We talked to Andy for a while about his adventures on the mini tours and how many times he's Monday qualified and get through local and sexual qualifying for the U S open. That was pretty neat to hear his kind of mindset on those, um, pretty unique kind of ways to play golf, because it's really completely different than when you actually get into the tournament, those Monday qualifiers. And it was cool to see his, his, uh, his point of view. And then we kind of brought him in on the whole, you know, we talked about Tony Finau a little bit, probably didn't give him enough due last week and uh, heavily on on live and his his thoughts and yeah it was t- two and a half on one three on one uh, we gotta level this out at some point <laughs> here um, but we have heard i've heard a ton of great feedback i had a bunch of people reach out to me and and love the episode um last week so make sure if you haven't go check that out if you do like our stuff uh like it, review it, it, download all that kind of stuff
1: it really is a cool, it's a cool episode. Now I know Andy's not a household name, you know, like some of the other guests, you know, PJ tour players, but uh, again, he, he kind of had a similar, similar path uh, to myself, but, but took it to the next level, played in a hundred plus corn fairy events. Again, uh, Monday qualifying, you know, a dozen times and then qualifying for the U S open five times going through locals and sectionals, which is absolutely incredible. I, I don't, I really don't know if anyone has done that more. I know we talked about it last week. He said maybe some other people had had done it, had gone through locals and sectionals more than him. But in the last five years or six years, he's been, he's made it through five times, which that's, and that's insane. So hard. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I did, I've been to locals five times and done sectionals <laughs> every year that I've been a pro and still no U S open. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of really good players that can say the same. So it's that's pretty incredible feat. But it's a really cool, really cool pod. I would, I would suggest going and listen to it. It gives some good, uh, good point of view and and some insight on his the games that they have that Orange Tree down in Florida. He rubs shoulders with a lot of the guys that you see on TV every week. They all play in the same kind of games. You know, they kind of rotate. I know they have some big games. At Orange Tree, but they also jump around some of the other clubs. And yeah, they like run that. in the same circles. They run in the same circles, so it's it's pretty cool. But anyway,
0: yeah. So
1: again, go see that.
0: Uh, go, sorry, not see that. Go listen to that. um Subscribe to our podcast. Like, download, review, tell all your friends. Um, if you're on Instagram, check out some of the content um, that Jay and I have done. Uh, we had a, a content filming session at the Foundry. A couple of weeks ago, our good buddy, Luke Meyer, shout out to Luke, is all of a sudden become our like social media guru and producer. Um, he knows all the algorithms and he had some ideas. We had some ideas and we had, we had fun having a few drinks, listening to some music, goofing off at the Foundry one evening after a thunderstorm. So if you're on Instagram, um, make sure you check that stuff out. If you're not on Instagram, download it. Get Instagram for our content alone.
1: Yeah, that's it. Perfect. Good reason. Perfect reason. I I that.
0: was joking with my daughters. They asked what I was doing, and I said I was TikTokking, and <laughs> they they thought I was serious, and I had to explain to them that I was just kidding and I was not TikTokking.
1: Um, <laughs> I mean, actually, it would be hilarious if you all of a sudden <laughs> started, you know, throwing out some TikTok content. I mean, that could be funny in itself. That it
0: could be funny, just laughing at us, not with us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and I think we, we will have a couple bloopers of ours um, make Instagram at some point when we were filming some things. Jay hit a shot that didn't go as planned. I, I hit a shot that didn't go as planned. I don't planned. have
1: any bloopers. Every shot that hit is just.
0: I almost on. fell over laughing on one of your bloopers. So, I mean, there's, some of them are so good. <laughs> so, yeah. So check check that stuff out. But um, what are you drinking, Jay?
1: Um, I have got, I started with, I've got this bottle called uh, Bardstown. Um, They've kind of hit the, hit the market here um, in the last couple of years. Uh, It's pretty good. Um, Bottle in Bardstown, Kentucky, but it's, uh, this is the Fusion Series. This is a bottle or Fusion Series number seven, but I started with the Discovery Series, which is the Maroon label. um, And it's, spot on it's uh i had to had to do some trading to get the the barstown uh discovery but the fusion series is still really good this is the again number seven still awesome for the money you can usually get it you know anywhere at any liquor store abc store it's pretty readily available i don't know for how long but um it's pretty good really what, good what does what does a bourbon trade look like it's really secretive <laughs> yeah you actually have a middleman in the middle, like you pass them off to somebody. It's it's like a, it's like a, uh, a person that is not, liaison. yeah, to either, to either person. It's like, a, a some, uh, you know, I don't know, shit. I can't, I'm trying to think of the word, but somebody in the middle, <laughs> the so you middle don't know man. who you, you don't know who you're trading with. I don't know who I'm trading with. No, I'm I'm lying. It's not that it's not that secret uh, Santa kind of thing. It's not that secret, yeah. No, no, I mean it's fine. You you know, typically you reach out and then they've got some they've got some different bourbon groups and stuff uh on Facebook which you can't you can't say you're a part of. You can't talk, you know, any numbers, you can't talk um actual bourbon. It's all it's all in code. Oh, so Jesus. It, no, it's, that's the way it works. Um and you know, it's it's normally pretty it's normally pretty, pretty easy and creating cr- you know, riddles over there or something. I mean, pretty much that's the way they roll, but you know, <laughs> you do what you got to do to get, to get the stuff you want, you know? All right. I like it. But, and, and for that, for that fusion, uh, I'm not sure I'm sorry for the discovery series bottle, that Bardstown bottle. It was, uh, I used some Blantons. Blanton is the Blanton's are That's the currency these days. Okay. And they, they typically trade at about a hundred to $125 a bottle. So if you've got, if you're able to get to like a liquor store an ABC store and they've got blends, just buy them, just have them because you can probably trade for something, uh, pretty nice down the road. Um, I, I, the word on the street is that maybe some, uh, there's some foreign markets that really like blends and they're trying to go in and, and buy them all up. So that's why the value jumps so quickly. I mean you can go buy a bottle okay. of blends when it's available for like 60 bucks, but it on the on the you know the market, the the back end the market, you can you can trade at 120, 125 dollars. So All right, um, cool. limited supply. So I was
0: I was actually listening to a, a podcast um about bourbon and whiskey the other day. And I'm gonna try to get a guest on this probably this winter when it's slow off season, maybe no event. Um, we, we might do a show not on golf and do it on bourbon and whiskey. Love it. Um, Love it. so we'll, we'll see if we can make that happen over the winter time when, when things start to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Although if in the you, world of golf, get- I'm not sure things are going to slow down from a new standpoint, but we'll see.
1: doesn't seem like it. it's uh, going to get crazier and crazier, which
0: brings me to what I'm drinking.
1: Yeah. What are you drinking? Mikey? Smells good. It is Weller Antique tonight. <laughs> oh, you are feeling it.
0: I'm you celebrating. In the, it's. The I'm going to go. I'm, I'm buzzing tonight. Not on booze, just on live golf PJ Tour drama, courtroom <laughs> drama. I'm buzzing on the results today. I'm celebrating. We'll get into it a little bit more in depth, but the three players trying to play in this week's event, were told to hit the bricks. You're not playing this week. Um, and we'll, we'll break that down in a little bit, but yeah, I just, I just felt like a little bit of a celebratory bourbon tonight. So I went with some good stuff. One of my favorites of all time, the Weller antique. So
1: it is, it is for the money it is one of the
0: best. It no is question. good. So, all right, let's, let's get into a little golf before we get to the live drama. We have another really cool story that happened on the PGA tour this week. Tom Kim, Joo Young Kim from Korea, 20 years old, just turned 20 in June, um, wins on the PGA Tour. Youngest since Jordan Spieth. uh, What was that, 2013 14, somewhere in there? Um, At at John Deere. And kudos to you. You picked him on your squad. We didn't go through all of our picks last week just because we got so long with Andy and we just kind of made some quick. Quick picks, uh, who we thought might win. So we didn't go through our whole DraftKings lineup, but you did have him on your squad. He's been playing great and wins by five after a quadruple bogey on the first hole of the tournament, which is thoroughly impressive. And That's so, really impressive. I I I followed the event more than I watched it. Um, I was watching a lot on the PGA Tour app and following my guys and what was going on. And then when you listen to Tom Kim talk, it's hard not to like the kid. It's it's really hard. Like, he's just always smiling and happy. He speaks great English. He speaks like four different languages. Uh, oh, really? Yeah.
1: I didn't know that. That's incredible.
0: He was born in Seoul, Korea, but I think he left there when they were four. And his, his parents, they moved around to a few different countries. Um, so he speaks like four languages he's been a professional since he was like 16 years old. He's won a whole bunch in Korea and Asian tour. And I don't know. I just, he, he has Tom Kim because he loved Thomas tank engine as a kid <laughs> who didn't. Um, and yeah, I don't know. He, like I, I put in the notes, you know, for you, you know, is this a, a flash in the pan from the kid or is this sustainable? Um, I will say he hits the golf ball nowhere. That that hurts. Very short. His club head speed is only 109 miles an hour. Um, that hurts. But he hits it well. He hits it really straight. And he's
1: a great, great putter. Got really Um, soft hands. Yeah. I mean, I I actually watched quite a bit of the final round coverage, and um, yeah, you're right. He hits it very low. So again, from a driver standpoint, I'm, I'm, I'm imagine imagine that he hits down on the ball. Probably a little bit too much. And, but that's his way to keep the ball in play. And it also, you know, makes him a probably a really good ball striker. But putting wise, I mean, they, they zoomed in quite a bit on his putting stroke. Very good, very simple, um, really simple. Yeah. Um, But he made, uh, they, they said the most, the, the, the largest amount of, of, I guess, uh, I guess, feet of putts made. Uh, in the last, I, I, I don't know the exact the exact number. But it was like over a hundred something uh, uh, feet of putts uh, of putts made, which is insane. I mean, we can probably pull it up and find out what the exact number. But that first round, or I'm sorry, that final round, when he shot that 27 on the front nine, I mean, it was make it was like a hundred something. Uh, yeah. It, it and even crazy. going into
0: even before going into that, he was making before Sunday, for Sunday. He was making. I heard a number of. Uh, putts like in over ten feet. Um, oh, so here you go. So here's a here's a stat for you. Not on all of his putting, but just a fraction of his putting. So from ten to fifteen feet, the field average at Wyndham was twenty nine percent, twenty nine point five percent field average from ten to fifteen feet. He made twelve of sixteen in that range.
1: That's insane.
0: Seventy five percent
1: that's insane. I mean that's that's a difference maker especially when you're going to shoot you know, you know those crazy numbers like that. But um yeah, like I think he is and we've talked about this before. You know, you as a young kid, you can you can you can thrive off of a couple different things. You can thrive off of um lack of experience in the sense that you have no scar tissue. You don't care about the end result because you know deep down, you're like, I'm 20. I got, I, I've got tons of time to do this. Let me just get after it. And if, if it works out, it works out. I win. Great. If not, I'll do it the next week. And he's kind of had that mentality the last five weeks. Yeah. He's played really well the last five weeks. Um, Or you're, you're a vet who's been out there for a long time. And while you've built up some scar tissue and you've, you've seen yourself fail, but you've also seen yourself uh, succeed because you've got just time on your side. So, there's two ways to to look at it. And I think he's definitely rolling on the high of, I'm a talented kid. I've got nothing to lose. Um, who cares if I don't win this event because I've already locked up my PGA Tour card for next year? Yep. Um, yeah. He's like, he's playing with house money. And then here he goes and shoots 27 on the front nine um, at the Wyndham.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I watched. I watched most of the back nine. I actually had the, the, I was watching the women's, the AIG women's British open uh, playoff, uh, which went on forever um, before I turned that, turned that golf on. And at that point it was pretty much a runaway for him. It was really just how much he was going to win by and Yeah. I, I, I like the kid. He just has this infectious kind of personality to him. Yeah. I saw a clip PJ tour posted a clip of, him talking when he comes to the States, he loves going to fast food places and he was listening all off his favorite fast food places, but talking about how he gets so much fatter when he comes over here. And um,
1: but he's a, he's a plump, plump. Yeah, boy. He's, he's,
0: he's got a little baby weight still on him there to begin with. Hey,
1: it, it, Hey, it works. I mean, if I were him, I'd keep eating fast food. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hell with all these trainers and all that. If you, if you could shoot 27 on the front nine um, and eat fast food, then something's working. So yeah. Um, he did have a sweet putter though. He had a Scotty with the light blue, like, and, uh, paint fill. It looked, yeah. looked pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and he rolled, he rolled it nicely. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, he, he's obviously playing, playing really well. And it, I, I, I picked him only because I knew that he was playing well. My, my thought was that he would have a, you know, was another good solid, cause he's yeah. riding high and you know top 15, top 10, maybe, um, and I had uh, Henley in there as well, Russell Henley. Who uh, the the guy is? Tita Green is one of the best players on the PJ Tour right now. He he just he is getting it done. Tita Green, he drives it great. He's an unbelievable iron player. I mean, th- this is not this is not news. I mean, he's been on tour for seven, eight, nine years now, if not longer than that. Um, and his biggest nemesis is the the short game and his putting. He just can't quite get comfortable on the greens. And, you know, I watched him have flashes of brilliance on Sunday and he could have easily made a run and then he three put a hole or he would, you know, knock get him down on an easy, on an easy chip. And I, I don't know what, what I, I, he's, he's kind of an enigma to me. I mean, he's a, um, he's always right there. I mean, he's had a really good year. I mean, he's mm-hmm. I mean, what's, what's he in the FedEx cup. Is he top 25 in FedEx cup points right now? Um, Keep talking and I'll find out. I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty close. I mean, I, I, I think i checked it this week and I, I thought he was up there, maybe top 30, top 25, but.
0: Uh, he's
1: 32nd. 32nd. Okay. So he's close, but he just, I mean, how many times have you seen that guy in, in the mix in the last, you know, six months? He just doesn't seem to get it done. And we talk about this all the time. You know, those guys that the it factor, like he checks all the boxes you know, T to green, strokes gain, you're looking at it like you're going to make a lot of money. You're going to have a bunch of top five finishes, top bunch of top 10 finishes, but why aren't you winning? And it, you look at, you look at, uh, you know, Tom Kim, and it's, it comes down to his, the putter, you know, I and it's not, I don't want to say it's putt for, you know, you know, drive for show, putt for dough, but because we know that really it's, it should be, you know, drive for, drive for dough and for, putt wins. for wins. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I hate to say that, but like, if you want to, if you want to make money, you drive it long and straight, hit a bunch of greens, you're going to make money. But if you want to win, you got to make putts. And the, it no, I don't care. We've, we've gone over this at nauseum, but if you want to win on P on the PGA tour or whatever tour, you know, DP tour, the other tours that are around in the country. I'm
0: not sure what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> but if you want to win, you've got to one. You've got to do all of those well, but you've got to make those big putts
0: when when they're needed. But well, um, he's Russell Henley's 11th strokes gained tee to green. He's 123rd in putting, 11th in, in yeah. tee to green.
1: That's incredible. I There's mean, that's... some
0: unbelievable ball strikers, and not many people think of Russell Henley when
1: you said, "Give me the top 15 ball strikers on tour." You know what I mean? He oh, he's one of them. I mean, he just he's got it figured out. You know, he does it time and time again. Um, but when it comes to the, when he when he gets to the green, he just something's just a little off. Obviously, you know, you said one twenty three strokes gain on the on the greens.
0: Yeah, I'm not crazy about his his tempo or his rhythm. I feel like that gets off a lot, especially in nervy situations with with his putting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No question. No, I, I've noticed that too. Um, you, know, it, it, you know, it's you know, that's one thing. You know, without getting going down a, the the technical rabbit hole here, but you know, I, I watched a bunch of uh, bunch of clips from Brad Faxon this this um, this weekend. I was just oh, curious. Um, you know, just just watching him and just listening to him talk about his experience with other players. Watching t- Tiger you know a couple of tiger clips you know when he was in the in the late 90s to early 2000s you know and you just watch the rhythm of the stroke and there's while they all putt differently in in a sense um Tiger's a little bit more upright a little bit more rigid uh Brad's got more moving parts like a Ben Crenshaw's got a lot of uh, a longer slower stroke but when you and again, you, you watch the, the overall rhythm of it of the each one of these strokes, and you, the, you can see the commonality between the three three different ways to putt, three different setups, and, and three different rhythms. But all varies, uh, the the sequencing is all just spot on. You know, like you'd say, Tiger has more of a sh- a, a shorter, poppier stroke, and you like Brad, uh, uh, Brad Faxon kind of in the middle, and then uh, Ben Crenshaw, longer, long. flowing stroke but all still um when i say rhythmic meaning the 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 whole the the length of the stroke from start to finish uh, matches up you know that you know everyone c- talks about that 2 to 1 ratio you know that you have the, that back the stroke speed, to follow yeah. through. they they all have they all fall in that in that um in that realm and yeah. one is just a little longer than the other back but the 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 rhythm or the pace, I guess, is the same, which is really, really kind of cool um, to watch. And then you watch players that struggle, like uh, Russell Henley, a Will Zalatoris, and you see how you can see right away, regardless of the moving of the putter or the waving of the putter for Zalatoris, you can see right away that the the rhythm or the pace just not the is same. Not, it's not right. It's not the same. Yeah. Oh,
0: you talk about Faxon's putting stroke. That's like porn to me. I could, I've watched, I've spent so many hours watching his putting stroke. It's so silky. It's so good. Um, if that guy could have just hit it half decent in his career, he would have won
1: everything. He hit it. He was yeah. a
0: terrible ball striker. Um, uh, and
1: and we've talked about this before, but I mean, if you go and pull up historically, you, you look at, uh, since they started doing strokes gain putting, um, he is still the best and tiger you know tiger is is the really close second but brad Faxon is still and then people used to argue well they used to they used to gauge a good putter by how many putts they had around which is not a, not an accurate uh no. evaluation because one you could be a bad ball striker you could be a great chipper and your putts per round could be pretty low yeah it depends uh, on how many and, greens and, you're hitting in the proximity sure. of those shots Sure, and and that's that was what they used to say about Brad Faxon all the time. It's like, oh, he's not a good ball striker, but he's got a great short game, and that that enables him to have short putts. You know, he has less putts throughout the round. But since they started doing strokes gain putting, it that obviously that doesn't factor into how many greens you hit. It just has to do with how many putts you make at at the 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 distance the that you're that at. You make them. And he still ranks number one. Yeah. Since they started doing. Strokes game putting. And now this was a year ago, the last time I really actually checked it, but it was Brad Faxon. It was Tiger Woods, the two people that you would expect to be at the top. And there they were. Um, And I I will say that, like, with Brad, um, I mean, I love the stroke. I love the rhythm. But if you look at the – if you look at Tiger's stroke, it looks very clean and it's very uh, – what's the right word? Uh, Symmetrical. Mm-hmm. like back back swing to through swing it's very symmetrical it looks very clean brad Faxon's, he, you know he's got a, his own little flair on it when he finishes his putting stroke he lets the putter head kind of drift back toward towards his left toe almost like he's dragging he's got, a, the he's,
0: got a, uh, he's got a funky left hand <laughs>
1: grip too he's got a pretty a strong he's got a strong left hand grip and he really lets his that over that reverse overlap that 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 left-hand forefinger really sit high on his, on his right hand, which is a little different from other players. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know why more people don't copy him because (laughs) because it obviously works. Yeah. Um, I, I like how
0: Faxon's always moving. He's never stationary when he's getting set up. His fingers are just drinking a little bit. His, his, his feet are going. He's never static. He's looking at the hole and he's always moving. And then boom, once his eyes come back, it's just go. And it's just, uh, it's, it's, yeah, and I, I think there's a, a misnomer out there that people have to have a really long forward stroke. I think too many amateurs, their, their yeah. forward stroke gets really long. And both him and Crenshaw talk about feeling like the weight of the putter is just hitting the ball. And then the, you know, the, the strike of the golf ball almost stops the putter head, and it doesn't really go through that far through if you were to measure the length of the backswing versus the length of the forward swing. And yeah, they those those two are my favorites, Crenshaw and, and Faxon to watch. Uh, when I feel like my my putting is struggling, I just put on some YouTube videos of them and just, just go to my happy place and just
1: I mean think about it. look at look at these two guys. If you watch you know not to bash you know a, a masters champion and Ben Crenshaw or a multiple PJ tour winner and Brad Faxon, but if you if you go back and look at their success, obviously they've been very successful in the PJ tour. Uh, and you go back and look at their golf swings, you would you would look and say, "Man, like this guy made it. This guy won a Masters. This guy won multiple times on the PJ Tour." With that golf swing, I mean, there's there those swings are very flawed, um, but they really make up for it um, on the putting green. Now, now Ben Crenshaw, I will say, he was a highly ranked amateur coming out. Uh, yeah, went to Texas. Was it Texas, Texas? That he went to? Or? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he was he was a great player. I mean, I'm I'm not. I don't want to shed you know, I'll shed some light on the fact of how good he was. It was. I'm not. I'm not throwing. I should say I'm not throwing shade on Ben Crenshaw, but he was a great player. But his strength was not in his in his long game. His strength was in his short game and how great mm-hmm. a putter he was. Same same with Brad Faxon. And yeah, Faxon's um, a really
0: good pitcher of the golf ball too. He he doesn't oh. get.
1: He's great around the
0: greens. It's just, he's just got a great pair of hands. And I don't think that gets talked about enough. Everyone talks about his putting, but um, if you listen to Brad Faxon talk about the short game and chipping and pitching is, is worthwhile too.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I follow him. I follow Brad on Instagram and it's every time something he posts on it. Typically it's him opening some new fricking putter from Scotty. Um, or some head cover or something like that which is fine because it makes everybody jealous because they're like oh great you've got you know you get all this free shit from scotty which is cool but when he does do the more of the instructional stuff i i always ch- tune in and check it out because it's, it's yeah. super cool
0: that's cool um
1: any other takes on
0: Wyndham um as far as you know maybe as it relates to people in and out of the playoffs you know like Ricky gets in on the misses the cut and then gets in as Mr. 125, last spot in. Then he ditched his caddy today. Him and Joe Mm Scavron, who they've been together forever, have parted ways. Ricky didn't really say whose decision it was or what, but um, he gets in. You know, you and I were just talking uh, beforehand. Justin Lauer, man, kudos to him for getting in in front of the media and, and talking. And it was heart wrenching watching him. He three putts the last hole to miss out um, on his card. Austin Smotherman comes back to finish um, on Saturday morning because of all the rain delays. He comes back to finish on Saturday morning, has a 12-foot birdie putt, misses it, and then doubles his last hole Saturday morning to miss the cut, miss the playoffs. Like Just kind of heart-wrenching. Matt Wallace was in until Tom Kim wins, which got him he made him become a member of the PGA Tour. And he's like, with all his points that he's earned as a non member, and then the win put him officially on the FedEx Cup point list at number like 30, knocks Matt Wallace out. He becomes number 126. So he misses out because if, if Tom Kim doesn't win that and he comes in second and somebody else wins, Matt Wallace stays in the playoff field.
1: Wow. Um, that's right. Anytime you, anytime you win, you become a member of the. You tour. You automatically become so, a member of the tour at that very cause, moment. Because he was going to get his card based on his po- how many points that he. He,
0: he was going to pull a Zalatoris, right? So yeah. Zalatoris last year was uh, considered a non-member, but racked up so many points for the next year he got his card. He didn't qualify for last year's FedEx Cup points list, which was stupid. He could, or for the FedEx you, Cup playoffs. As soon as you um, win,
1: you become a you know you become a temporary member. Yeah, or or a full member, a,
0: a full member. He was already on a temporary exemption, um, and so I think because of his world ranking, which got him that. But yeah, so then he wins. They slide him into the FedEx Cup playoff list, and it bumps Wallace out. You know, so there's just a lot of those stories. I know you said you were you were texting with Justin Lauer a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I took I texted with him last night. I mean, he's in good spirits. I think. Um you know, he he's, this is the last year of the corn Ferry tour finals. So he's in a good spot. Like he's playing well. Um, if he can get in and, and and play well in these, these couple of events here, he still has a chance to earn his card for 2023. So it, it, while it burns for him, you know, like you said, to have that three putt coming down the stretch, he still has a chance. Um, so he he's, he's still in good spirits and, um, He'd like to come on the podcast too to talk. I mean, he's got he's got a really incredible story too. I mean, I, I, we keep, we've had some <laughs> we've had some guests that people don't know of, but with some un- unbelievable stories. I mean, you know, and I, I'm, I'll preface this with Justin. I played, and McLean did as well. And McLean's not on the on on the pod tonight, but we played quite a bit of mini tour golf together, probably four or five years together, and, towards my tail end. Um, but Justin's early early side of him turning pro and we we played a lot of golf together spent a lot of time together and if i do get him on the pod i I don't want to talk too much because i know he's got some stories too that he'd like to make fun of me so i won't i won't dive in too much but (laughs) um he's uh, incredible story um you know justin lost his father and his brother in a car accident uh when he was a teenager. and, and obviously those are his role models, older brother and his father, they played golf all the time. Um, it, it's just, you know, to see, uh, to s- these stories are so incredible, you know, just to see what people are able to do when they're you know, backs against the wall, I think is awesome. And I, I've always, I've always uh, kind of looked at his story and thought that how incredible it was that he's able to kind of keep pushing through, you know, and then he relied on his dad and his brother, they, they, you know, to, you know, for golf, I mean that that was what they did together, and then obviously they weren't there, and he still was able to graduate college and 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 turn pro. And and Justin is a, is an absolutely incredible golfer, and he would be the first to tell you he's not Tiger Woods, he's not Rory McIlroy, you know he's not he's not the guy that's going to be out there that's going to be bombing it, you know three forty, you know one hundred and ninety mile an hour ball speed. That's not that's not him, but he, I mean the things that he has are, you know, hard work, discipline, you know, drive, passion, heart, like all those things that, that's what people root for. And that's what, I mean, I I want, I want to see the PGA tour promote guys like that. And that's when you asked what I thought was missing with that telecast. They did, they touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to see more of you know one who's trying to win the event but once you know that Tom Tom Kim is up by five shots let's focus on this 125 number let's post let's have the the graphic on the screen that shows proje- you know the current st- current status current ranking and the projected ranking let's keep that up nonstop mm-hmm. you know yeah. so we can see exactly what's going on I mean, I I wanted that. Like, I was sitting here. I watched a lot of it on Sunday, and I was kept looking for it. I was like, "What? Where? Where's everybody at? Where's Justin at? Like, I was like, "Where's? Lauer? Yeah, or have like where? Yeah, wh- what? Like, what does he need to do here? Did he make bogey? Does he need to make birdie? Like, where? Where are these guys? Like, I wanted to see that, and they just didn't post it. And I think, honestly, I think there's a lot of fans that were like, "Hey, we, this guy's gonna win. Tom's gonna win." OK, let, let's where what's the other drama? What are you going to how are you going to keep me engaged watching the Wyndham Championship in the first week of August? Yeah, you're going to keep me engaged by showing me, you know, how this is going to change somebody's life, you know, by keeping their card or they're going to go back to the Corn Ferry Tour or lose their card altogether. All so that's where they missed the boat just a little bit, in my opinion.
0: What's that? What's that guy from NBC that does the election stuff? Steve Kornacki? nerdy guy with the glasses and the khakis and the rolled up sleeves. They need someone like him with like a big board and like going over, like what the results are going to be. And
1: exactly like
0: something like that, right on the screen and be like, okay, Justin Lauer's got two to play. He needs to exactly. go even, even par. But if, if he goes one over, he's then going to need so-and-so to go two over or, you know, like something like that.
1: Um, just something cool like that, just to keep people interested, you know, and I know it was a weird day because it was, you know, Nick Faldo's last day, which Honestly, I was, I was like, whatever, you know, I, yeah, they, they made a big deal about it. And I, I, Nick, Nick Faldo is, is a, is a, is a great, he was he was a great golfer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think he is a, a dramatic guy. Like he really, you know, sopped this whole thing up. Like, yeah, it was, it
0: was, it, I'm not going to say it, it was over, over the over, top, over, and a little and, over the top, a little overkill. I, I like Faldo. I will say this. You know, when, when Faldo started in the booth, however many years ago, I was in the booth 16 years or so. I never liked Faldo really as a player. Now, obviously, he was kind of in the tail end of his career when I really started to pay attention. Mm-hmm. I never really seemed to like him that much as a person or a player. He made me like him. You know, he seemed to have way more personality in the booth than I thought he did over the years. Mm-hmm. I think he I thought at one point in the booth, he was really good. I felt like the last maybe three or four years. he just started to kind of cash it in and and mail it in and not really give the viewer any, Yeah, you know, it was just the, the stock answers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, you almost feel like Nance would try to set him up for something and then he wouldn't really give you anything. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, wish him luck and happy retirement. And I think Trevor Rillman is going to do a great job. I think he'll do a better job in all honesty, because he's a little more in touch with the modern game and the, and the players
1: and, um, but yeah, that well, was, that know, was a lot. Again, that's, that's, that's kind of everything is, it comes full circle in my opinion when, you know, we're obviously dealing with this whole thing with the, with the PJ tour and live golf and like, what's right. What's not right. You know, what's the right challenge. What's not the right challenge. And it's the same thing goes for announcers. I mean, we've, you know, we're partial to Curtis strange, you know, we've, We've had him on the on the pod a couple of times in in the late '90s and two, 2000s. Um, he was, you know, the top guy with ABC and ESPN. And you know, love him or hate him, you, you maybe you didn't like him, maybe you didn't like him, but he was the top analyst uh, in golf. And after a certain time period. You have to find a way to make yourself relevant and, and, and the best find a way to do that. And I think, uh, for Nick, it got to a point where he just didn't really care to do it. Like you said, the last three or four years, he was like, I'm doing it because I, I, I kind of know the game, but am I going to really dig in and try to see the players play with the players, talk to them, get their, get their insight on what's going on or am I critical to do- or yeah. Or am I just going to do my thing and just kind of show up, be there for Thursday to Sunday and then, uh, get on about my business. So, yeah. and I, I think it was probably a mutual thing there. It's a, it's a tough gig. I mean, you know, you, you know, I mean even just doing a, a podcast, you know, you have to be ready to go at all times you mm-hmm. have to have your information ready. You have to know what you're talking about, you know? Um, and, I think there's times where Faldo just kind of got to the point in the last couple of years where he's like, I'm not really prepared. I'm good at talking. I'm good at filling space. I'm good at filling air. Um, but do I really have the data to back up my points? And that's when they rely on, you know, the, the the actual host, not the analyst. Yeah. So, anyway, I mean, wish him the best, though. I mean, like I said, I was actually more of a fan of Nick Faldo p- player than I was the the analyst. I thought Nick Faldo the player was awesome
0: you, you know you know why I don't like Nick Faldo you're gonna be shocked
1: <laughs> why did he beat an American? At some no point?
0: no because he beat Greg you Norman for 19- he give you? no no because he beat Greg Norman in the 1996 masters <laughs> I used to be a huge Greg Norman fan so now you're a Nick Faldo fan I, mean, I can't fucking stand Greg
1: Norman, and that has been for years. Now it's even worse. But actually, I told you I was—I've I've gone over this before. But I was at that—the only time I've been to the Masters was 1996. The only time. I'll never forget. And I remember, that. I remember watching uh, that practice round Wednesday practice round, watching Greg Norman on the putting green, Nick Faldo on the putting green. Uh, obviously, we followed Tiger, Jack, and Arnie for 18 holes, but. I just remember looking at Nick Faldo and I'm like, that guy's head is so big. (laughs) It is so big. Um, But I mean, what an incredible golf swing. I mean, just super, super good. And I, I don't even want to give credit to David Ledbetter because I don't think that, I think David's probably hurt more players than he's helped, but I agree. With that. He certainly he certainly helped Nick Faldo. Whatever they did in the beginning when they did the the kind of whole revamp. And that, this was that was the start of the whole like I'm your teacher, I'll follow you around tour kind of thing. Like that wasn't a thing back back in the 80s. No. And when David Ledbetter and Nick Faldo kind of went through this whole like revamp of his golf swing, that was like the that was the beginning of, <laughs> of this era that we see where you had your team with you everywhere. And, mm-hmm. and Nick fellow did that with David and it, and it works because he won a couple majors after you no know, multiple majors after working with, with David and was like, Oh geez, I need my teacher with me at all times to check <laughs> to yeah. over shit. Yeah.
0: So, Ledbetter, McLean and Harmon were kind of the first three out there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But yeah. So uh, one last thing on the Wyndham real fast. I got, we had our, our good friend, Joe Bramlett makes a hole in one while being paired with our other good friend, Callum Taron. Um, and also if you haven't seen the PJ tour, put out a really cool video or a slide of videos. They interviewed Callum, uh, this week and they had him read all his read off yeah. all of his, his start to his career. You know, we had Callum on last summer before he was going into Corn ferry finals. He gets his card and then misses his first eight cuts. And they have him read off his scores and then kind of just talk about where he's come from. And, you know, great last couple months and been playing his ass off, playing well, makes the playoff. So cool story there for Callum, you know, in a bad, bad place. And hell, his first cut he made was Honda in what March? Is that event?
1: That's incredible.
0: You know, so. Um, yeah, cool story. So if you go to the, any of their social media, I'm not sure if it's on their website or not, but it's on their social media the last couple of days, they posted that It's a cool little video to hear him talk about, you know, his struggles to now his success. So, all right, let's do it. We've reached that segment of the show <laughs> that I'm sure everyone's been waiting for or dreading. One of the two is... The Live Golf lawsuit. So after we got off the air last week, I think it was the next day, Live Golf puts out their lawsuit, or I shouldn't say Live Golf, 11 players. Um, I mean, Mickelson is the the lead name on it. It's Mickelson versus the PGA Tour. Him and, and 10 other guys, which actually Carlos Ortiz dropped his name from the lawsuit today. Um, He took his name out of the lawsuit. So it's now um, Mickelson and nine other guys. But then there was the separate injunction that Taylor Gooch, Matt Jones, and Hudson Swafford wanted a temporary restraining order so that they could play. They're eligible with their FedEx Cup points for the first round of playoffs this week at the FedEx St. Jude. And they wanted a restraining order to allow them to play while this is all being sorted out pga tour came back with their answer i have read way more legal pages um in the last week than i care to admit like i told you i am i'm deep in the weeds in this thing um
1: <laughs> deep deep in the weeds so which which way do i go with this do i just jump onto the live guys or do i give a true opinion
0: i'll tell you i'll, I'll give you a quick a quick. Okay, you go first. I want to hear. I want to hear your take first.
1: Um, contrary to popular belief, I do not support the three players filing for the restraining order to allow them to play in the the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, I do support the eleven players as a whole. Following, following the following the lawsuit uh, to enable them to play on the PGA Tour, Um, but to backtrack, the 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 setup or or the reasons that these three players it was Gooch, uh, Hudson Swafford, and um, Matt Jones. Mac Jones or Matt Jones. I'm sorry, not Mac Jones. God, could you imagine Mac Jones? Was was playing on the live tour now. Anyway, um, I, I th- the reasons for them asking for this injunction and and saying that they needed to play due to uh it was a it, they basically claimed a monetary loss, like they thought Ir- irreparable it, harm. It, it, exactly, and I, I and I don't think that's that's fair. They they basically wanted to to be able to play, you know, and I somebody used the the term "have your cake and eat it too," and and while I like I've said from the beginning and I'll keep re- repeating this. Um, I'm all about, I'm all about change and, and making things better. I'm not for the live tour. I'm not for the PGA tour. I'm for golf. I'm for golf, professional golf, top tier professional golf. Let's see the best players play every week. Uh, we haven't had it for quite some time. Um, and I'm, I want to find a way to get to that and, these guys, uh, unfortunately are trying to push the envelope a little bit, uh, in my opinion, like, you know, if you, if, if you feel that you should have the option to, to play both tours, that's one thing, you know, you can follow lawsuit and, and you can fight that. But, but don't say that you, um, that you need to play in the FedEx because for, from monetary standpoint, because you just took a big chunk. You just took a big lump sum from the live tour. So that argument, in my opinion, is null and void, and it, and it almost discredits uh, the other the other eight players on that eleven that eleven person lawsuit. Uh, it makes them look bad because, like, hey, we're we're doing this together, and you're going to do this stupid stuff. Like, are you gr- you're greedy? Now well, you're acting I, greedy.
0: And not to get into the specifics of what went down in the courtroom today, but that got brought up was why only these three guys? Because a couple of the other guys in this lawsuit are eligible to play in the FedEx Cup playoffs, but they didn't seek this temporary restraining order. And the judge was like, well, if this is such irreparable harm, why aren't all the guys doing this? Exactly. You know? And so they might have shot their own buddies in the foot a little bit. But um, I'll say, so my first take when it came out, like I knew a lawsuit was coming. We all did. Everyone yeah who's who's talked about this and has any kind of mind knew that there was some sort of lawsuit was going to come down at some point but when it came down i kind of got the basics of it just you know reading articles i wanted to have like a mass hole minute like i wanted to go off on these cuz i already want to go off on these guys cuz like w- lawsuit aside i'm so sick of these fucking guys talking like stay away from the microphones guys you you guys sound like fucking idiots and you're not doing yourself any favors when you guys talk and and spare me the bullshit and the the sales pitch that I get every week about how I'm, and then it's like, okay, you want to say you're injured, but all we hear from you is how fucking great live is and how much money you're making and those schedules better. And it's more fun. And there's a team atmosphere. If this thing is so fucking good, then why do you want to play on the PGA tour? It's like, and so that whole came out and then, you know, you, you can see a bunch of the guys on the PGA Tour were, were pretty pissed. It sounds like the guys that have stayed in, and are there were pretty pissed at this. And it was almost unanimous. And, and it, oh, this could have been talking points sent from the PGA Tour. Who, You know, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. But for the most part, they were all saying on the PGA Tour, the players were, hey, I don't fault these guys for going, taking the money. They can do it. They're free to do that. That's fine. But don't try to come back and, and, and play here as well. If you want to go... Sure go stay over there let us play here you guys play there and let's just be done with it and that's where it yeah. started to piss off it seemed like a lot of the guys on the pga tour is almost to a man they were all saying the same exact thing like sure. and you know the whole you know have their cake and eat it too was was used a lot and you yeah, know was, double yeah. double dipping was used and you know all this kind of stuff and then i I read a lot of what was in the 105-page document that Live Golf put out. And I I guess here's a distinction, and I'm not sure many people think about this. And I think this case may almost hinge on this reason. Live Golf is not suing the PGA Tour. It's these now 10 guys. Yeah, I actually think it's a stronger case. An antitrust case, not that I'm a lawyer. I'm gonna preface this. I am nowhere near if, if a the live lawyer off, if the
1: live golf as a as an organization tries to sue the people.
0: Tries to sue. I think it's a stronger case than these players because these players are saying they have irreparable harm to their monetary gains or whatever, and are trying to prove that you know they're acting in a monopoly as a monopoly and all this kind of stuff. I think it actually holds more water if it's live versus the PGA tour, not these players versus the PGA tour. Um, yeah, because then again, I have no idea if that there's any legal backing to what I just said and if it makes sense. But to me, it's like the PGA tour is not saying you can't play golf guys. They're just saying you can't play on the PGA tour. Yeah. And you're making all this money where it'd be easier for live to say, Hey, we're, we're trying to, start up this tour and what the PGA tour is doing is hurting us. And they try to make these points in this complaint that they put out. It was almost like they were trying to fight both arguments. They're trying to fight for live, but also fight for themselves. You can definitely tell it was put together by live lawyers with a live kind of background behind it. Um, But, and, and I read it and I was like, man, they made actually a lot of really strong points and has the tour acted Like a monopoly in in a lot of different ways, I think so. Absolutely, you know, I think the biggest one, and I'm this guy's probably not is nowhere near a big enough name to make it matter. But I think the biggest way they've acted like a monopoly is when they told Andy Ogletree, who has conditional status on the Corn Ferry Tour, like very low status on the Corn Ferry Tour, that he couldn't go play in the London event but he wasn't going to get into the PGA tour event and he wasn't going to get into the corn Ferry tour event that week because of his eligibility. Yeah. So he basically was going to either have to go and break rules or sit on the couch. That's bad. If a guy's yeah. not in the field, then you can't stop him from going over. That's a bad look. Yeah. Um, but I still side with, with the PGA tour from the, and yeah, call me a bias and a honk again. I don't um, like every. I, I don't like everything the PJ tour does. And I think there needs to be reform on the tour and changes. And I, I've said that right along. I just can't back these guys on live. I just can't do it. Um,
1: I, I I'll, I'll, I actually, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with the guys following a lawsuit against the PJ tour and allowing them to play in, in the events. And, in a sense that it's, it's agreed upon and that, and a judge approves it, you know, if it, they're going to take it to that, to that higher power. But, um, I, the problem that I had with, with, with Gooch and Swafford and, um, and Jones was that they, they tried to do it so late. Like you knew, you knew of this, you know, two months ago when you signed on, why are you now filing this Right before the FedEx Cup playoffs, that's the problem. Like, if you if you had this problem back then, why are you doing it now? Um, and I think that I honestly think that's why the other eight players was it eleven players total. Yeah, but then but then Carlos Ortiz took his name out of it, so it's now it's like down ten, to ten guys. Ten players. Yeah. So the other seven players. That's why they probably didn't follow suit because they're like, hey man, you know, now we're looking like dickheads. You know.
0: Well, and, <laughs> and the PGA to Tour that.
1: fought that point pretty hard today too. Um. Which, you know, th- w- w- which point like that they that, should even file that suit at all? No, like, I
0: mean, like, no, like why? Why now the PJ tour was like they're trying to say this is an emergency that they need this granted because they were hoping these players were hoping that the judge would be like, hey, these guys have a point. Let's let them play while we figure this out. But the PJ tour yeah. was saying this isn't an emergency situation. They could have done this two months ago and they didn't. Exactly. They just tried to drag it out to the last possible minute so they could play.
1: Exactly. I agree. And I don't think that's right. You know, I don't think they, I don't think they handled it the right way. And I think, I think the judge ruled, um, correctly, you know? Well, hey, yeah. And they, 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 did that on, they did that on purpose. They, they, they dragged it out in in, a, in hopes that they would, they would be allowed to play until they figure figured everything out. You know, it's like, okay, we're going through arbitration. Let's just go ahead and let's play. And then if we, if we end up you know, completely being banned. That's fine. But we'll at least we'll at least get to play in these three high profile tournaments with a chance to win $10 million at the end. Um, Actually, I think it's like 18 million this year. Yeah. It's total, you know, in in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. So that, that part was a little, it's like, all right, now you're really stretching it um, in my opinion, In, in terms of the severity of being able to change the ruling so you can play right now. You know the other players like, hey, you know what? I think that we have the right to play in the PGA Tour. I've earned earned that right. There's nothing telling me that I can't go play in the three events that I've played in and still be able to play on the PGA Tour. There's definitely the argument for that. Um, now the PGA Tour says otherwise, um, but based on their past, based on their past experience with players playing other tours, these guys have only played three events on a tour, and there's nothing telling. Up until this point, there's nothing telling the PGA Tour that these guys should not be able to play. Still, continue to play on the PGA Tour with their exempt status for those that have it. Um, but this situation with these guys, they're they're trying to manipulate the situation a little bit. In my opinion, I don't I don't think that's right. Um, I still think I definitely think there's an argument for the other guys who have left um, that that should have the ability to play uh, on the PGA Tour.
0: Yeah, opinion. I mean, so the way the judge, not that this um, ruling today is any kind of indication of how things are going to go in the case and how this could just could take years. We're mm-hmm. talking four or five years before this thing could be settled. Um, and so, the, you know, some of the things that the judge said and, you know, the judge pushed back on the PGA Tour from how much kind of like we've seen in the NFL in, in recent years, how much power Monahan has when it comes to suspensions. Um, you know, the NFL had dealt with that with, with Goodell and how they've botched so many suspensions. And he was the, the end all be all. And um, mm-hmm. the appeals process wasn't great. She pushed back on that kind of thing, but you know what she was saying today. And it was kind of funny. You know, I'm just reading off a of Twitter of people that were in the courtroom live tweeting what was going on. And it was funny. Both sides we're having to say nice things about the other side to make their point. (laughs) So the plaintiffs, the live guys were saying, you know, we're talking about like, not just the monetary stuff of playing on the PGA tour, but like the legacy of winning the FedEx cup and saying, Oh, this is the super bowl of golf. And, you know, like, saying all this amazing, like, it's not just about the money. It's about the, you know, the prestige of winning the FedEx Cup and all this great stuff. And then- and
1: why'd, you, uh, why'd you leave? If you're worried about the legacy, then why'd you leave? You'd yeah, because your, they're trying to say they're harmed
0: by not by not winning it. So they had to say that. And then the PJ Tour is saying, well, they can't claim that we're a monopoly because they've said themselves that they have a 20% market share. And oh, by the way, if they've taken five of our top 10 of our PIP So obviously, what we're doing is not preventing the marketplace from, we're not affecting these guys leaving and going because they did, and they're making way more money. And so we're obviously not affecting, negatively affecting the marketplace from a dollar standpoint if they're making so much more money. Now, the one thing I thought that was interesting is Live Golf has asked, filed some sort of whatever to keep the contracts of these players redacted. The PGA Tour has seen them as part of the discovery. The judge has seen them, but they have not made them public knowledge. Um, they were all redacted in the PGA Tour's response uh, yesterday that came out on Monday. And they referred to it a couple times, and she had access to look them up as she was there at the, in the courtroom. But they weren't on the full big screen for everyone to see. And she made a point of saying that the contracts that these guys have signed were very restrictive, way more restrictive than what they had as PGA Tour members as far as freedom goes. Um, And she also mentioned that there was some sort of wording in these contracts that basically stated these guys were making getting all this money and so much money to help them offset any potential losses from FedEx Cup and sponsors and that kind of stuff.
1: And it's it specifically says that in the contract. It's specifically
0: worded in these live guys' contracts that part of the reason they're making so much money is to help them offset any lost income.
1: <laughs> yeah, they don't have any. They don't have anything to stand on. Then, in terms of trying to, to trying to get any type of injunction to allow them to play, allow them to play. Yeah.
0: Allow them to play this this fall in this yeah. FedEx Cup playoffs. So, you know, and as you look at it from. A bigger picture i still think they're gonna win i think some of the badder my bad what a great fucking grammar that was um some of the worst things that the pga tour is has done um are kind of smaller on you know on things that they're being accused of some of the things that i think they're definitely being a monopoly um are smaller in scale like kind of playing hardball with some of the vendors and yeah, you know, and so actually, I, I did some reporting uh this week on a couple Look at fronts. You, you little
1: so
0: I you little journalists, you. I reached out to a source that does business with the PGA Tour, uh huh. And I said, Hey, one, were you ever approached by Liv to do work? And two, did the PGA Tour ever contact you regarding potential work for Liv? And he said, Yes, on both fronts. He and wow. I, I, I can get. I can get the exact wording, but I'll paraphrase what he said. It was like a one-line um, text that he gave me. He said, the PGA Tour reached out early on asking for support to support them. Liv then contacted the company to do some work. He said they discussed it as a company on what would be best. He said they chose to support the PGA Tour and gave a no bid back to Liv was what he said. So he, he never said that the PGA tour pressured him in any way, um, but did say that they called him to say, Hey, will you support us? So um, again, unnamed source that does business with the PGA tour, but yeah, a little, little journals in there. Um,
1: oh, look at you, you little reporter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so, and you know, with, one of the things that judge said today is, to the plaintiffs was it's not illegal to be a monopoly it's illegal to act as a monopoly um hmm. and she she kind of made it sound like some of the things she was saying was like it's not really a monopoly if these guys can go elsewhere and play golf and make more money <laughs> you know um yeah and she pointed out the fact that these guys in this one in these contracts that she was looking at had made more money with these contracts than they did in their entire PGA Tour career. How can you say there's a monopoly or they're acting like a monopoly? Um, so I, I think it's I think it's very good news for the PGA Tour. She set a date of next September as the um, potential trial date. But if it gets pushed back, if these guys need more time for depositions and discovery and all this kind of stuff, she says it could get pushed back to
1: almost 2025. Yeah, it's going to take three or five years before they. And who knows? uh, Honestly, it, it could get to the point where it's. It's like, it, depending on what the live tour decides to do, it sounds like they want to try to get world ranking points. It sounds like they want to try to make these full field events. Um, you know, that that that's a lot of people. A lot of people don't like the live tour because it's limited field, no cut, yada, yada, yada. It's not a real event. It sounds like they, they don't want it to stay at the the small field. They want to make it a, a full field event. They want to make a uh, well, full Fuller field, maybe not a one hundred and fifty-six man field, but they want to make it a fuller field. And no, it's not that what they said. I mean, what I've read is they. It sounds like they're they're trying to increase this. Everything that I've said is, or because they they know that a forty-eight man field, there's going to be limited viewers because people are not going to watch forty-eight guys. Like well, they, so gonna, what what they're they're they have said this up.
0: What they said they're going to do. Um, well, real fast. I just want to say one thing before we get to this because I want to talk about the World Golf rankings, um, which is going to tie into their plans for the tour next year. Um, I will say this. Hey guys, words matter. <laughs> what you say, and that's why I said at the beginning of this conversation for these guys to get away from the microphones, like that stuff was used against them in the courtroom. And, you know, Greg Norman coming out saying that. They have no more spots left for next year, and they have all these top 50 guys coming to them. That was used in the courtroom today. As the PGA Tour saying, if we have such a strong monopoly in preventing these guys, why are they bragging about how strong their field is and how many players they have contacting them for next year? And why are these guys talking about how much money they're making and how much better their product is and their lifestyle, and they can see their family more? That stuff actually is going to come... That's going to be in as evidence. Is he's going to come into the sure. courtroom. So what you say, words matter, which I think in mm-hmm. our day and age, people seem to forget that in a lot of walks of life. Um, everything everything you say is documented. <laughs> words, words matter. So going into the schedule. So what they've said. So next year, they're still saying it's going to be 14 events, 12 teams of four, 48 players. They have tried to add this international series, which is another... Eleven events that's tied into the Asian Tour. Um, whether that gets consideration from the World Golf Rankings as part of the Live Golf Tour, if it gets lumped in together, if that goes to the Asian Tour, is yeah. interesting. I think there's going to be another lawsuit to come if the official World Golf Rankings denies them points. Live's going to probably sue.
1: Um, oh yeah, that federation. Has, has- as they should i mean i mean in my opinion like if you've got if you've got that type of field there should be something it should be some type of world world, world golf ranking points associated with those events
0: so i i find an uh, issue with that and with the 14 events that are only with 48 players for a couple of reasons there's no qualification to get on this tour yeah. Right. So why does why is Chase Kepka gonna get world ranking points when he's really just you was used as a negotiating chip? Not because he qualified on his merits of playing golf to get on that tour. You could essentially, in my opinion, if I'm a bunch of PGA tour guys, they could turn around PGA tour guys called. Let's just give a bunch of names that were on that 150th to 125th in the FedEx Cup. You're a Chesson Hadley. You're Austin Smother, You're S- Justin Lowell. David Skins. They could say, well, hey, Liv, you're anti-competitive because you're not letting me try to qualify for your tour to even play. So now some Joe Blow, Chase Kepka, is going to get world ranking points when he finishes 48th in your event, which is last place. And I finished 50th in the PGA Tour event, but I beat more guys than you. I made a cut like... No, 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 no. That's but, not I mean,
1: right. It's no different than us doing the WGC events. And, you know, how many, if you watch a WGC Yeah, but at least they WGC qualify WGC for that off of, world, off of off of points, and it's only three events. Yeah, but through the Asian tour, we're like, you know, and I know, you look at the Asian tour, and like, how, how did these guys, I don't even know who these guys are. Oh, well, that's you changing know, like, now, because that changed today. Exactly. But my point is, it hasn't changed. It hasn't, it's been the same for the last 15, 20 years. And you you see the same guys from the Asian tour playing but at least, At know, least I don't know who this guy is. But at least that's on the merits of actually playing
0: golf. These guys have gotten on this tour because of who they were at some point, or because they're Chase Kepka and they're a negotiating chip to get on the sure. tour. And this, they almost, if you look at the requirements for the world golf rankings to be eligible for points. Let's just say there's. I don't know the exact number of bullet points they need to check off. Let's say there's twelve.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They only check off like two
1: of the twelve. I mean, that's that's debatable on what these what these checkpoints are. I mean, if you look at the strength of field and look at who they what they've done. No, prior but that's not, to, not that's you, not what
0: to be. They, I'll, they I'm going to try as to find a whole. Them. It would it would add up. Um, no, but so to be yeah. eligible for world ranking points. You're supposed to have a 72-hole event. You're supposed to have a cut. You're supposed to have
1: an average number of, like, that's, I think that's it's 80 not, no, 80 false. players. That's yeah, uh, Okay. Um, I'll bring uh, well, it up. Well how, well, how does a WGC event give world ranking points when they have 76 guys? Because that falls under, they do have some exceptions,
0: but that's Ex- because, exactly. It's, it's exactly. because it's because so It is a three different
1: of, event. Okay, but it's no, a, but you're
0: talking about three events out of 47 is different than the whole entire tour.
1: Sure, sure, but, but they've only had 8. You know, 8 events. It's this an 8 event tour for for this year. Okay, but I'm talking from rare. a
0: percentage standpoint of the tour, of the PGA Tour. They put on 47 events, three of which
1: are these world golf rankings which are limited field events. No.
0: You
1: got how many how many how many WGC events do you have?
0: There's now 3. three.
1: Okay, you have the Masters, which is that's a That's not a PGA, PGA tour. tour. That's not that's a separate I'm talking but, about the PGA but Tour. It, but, but it is a, a world golf ranking it's a world golf ranking event yep and it's really in the grand scheme of things it's got about 48 players in it because you've got a bunch of fucking you know no-namers in there so uh, let's let's compare apples to apples you know i mean the 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 the, the, f- the strength of field for a live event is probably similar similar to what it would be for a, a, a master's event. And that's a, that's a major. That's fine. Then strip them from the master's. Like, I don't care. Sure, I, I mean, it's fine, but I mean, I, I, I you got it. You've got to account for the strength of field. And if you've got that strong of a field, um, comparatively speaking, this live golf event is probably comparable to an Asian tour event. If not, if not stronger. So they get world ranking golf, but world ranking points.
0: Yeah. But I, you know better that you hate limited field events. You've said it before in this podcast before. You don't sure. like them. So you're having an entire tour as a limited field event with no qualifications not, to get on. There's no cut. It's only 54 holes.
1: But you have to account with for only the,
0: probably 24. As of right now, only about 24 guys that can probably actually win an event.
1: Sure. I mean, I, there's no question. There's I no competitive to be, balance it. I would love to it. be a 156-man field with the, the top 156 players in the world. Um, we, we have yet to see that, uh, I ever, we, we, when was the last time you got, had the top 156 players play in the same event? Never. Well,
0: never. Cause none of all the freaking qualifications are all different.
1: Okay. Here's exactly. so the, here's the list exactly.
0: for a tour to be eligible to get world ranking a tour, not an event, a tour this is also a differentiating there. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: They're not a tour yet.
0: They need to um, embrace inclusion and in promoting non-discriminatory practices. I don't know. They're, they're not very inclusive. There's only 48 guys. and They're all contracted. Competitions contested over 72 holes, except for developmental tours, and it lists a couple. Um, an open qualifying school held before the start of each season. A field size of an average of 75 players over the course of the season. An average of 75 players over the course of the season. Sure. So there's one that checks off for the World Golf Championships, because when you three events divided by 47 events. You're going to hit an average over 75, Um, a 36 hole cut, a clear opportunity to progress to a full member, right? There's no process. It's just, it's a contract. There's no process to come up or down. It's like, even the, even this relegation that they've talked about that came out a couple of weeks ago, it's still going to protect the guys. Phil Mickelson's, sucks he shoots over par every round and lives so far no, uh, they're, they're, he's not coming off that if he's in the bottom of it he's not going to come off they paid him 200 million dollars he's not coming off
1: so well, it's the, even the relegation isn't really completely competitive well that's no that's the same way it is with any other tour i mean PJ tour tiger woods hasn't finished in the top in the money list but he's 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 exempt because of past Past categories, yeah, but, past money, but
0: but that's because of past the same. success. No, it's not the same thing. That's past success it, it on is. the golf course. It, the, he's staying. Mickelson will stay on the Live Golf Tour because of his contract, not because of past success on the Live Golf Tour. Well,
1: the the, the tour new. you have new, to achieve, so how,
0: you how, have to how, achieve you, those.
1: You have to achieve those exemptions in in. But in the beginning of the the beginning of the PGA Tour, if you want to go back to the early seventies, there's plenty of guys who earned their status because of past past status on the PGA tour or what was, what, what it was called prior to that. Um, not, not because of what they did that year when they, they formed the PGA tour and then broke away from the PGA of America. So it, that's not, that's not a, that's not a valid argument in, in the sense that you, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to, you can't just relegate everyone on the tour. I'm not, saying relegate, you, I'm not you saying give.
0: relegate everyone, but make everyone eligible for relegation is all I'm saying.
1: Uh, yeah, but not everyone. So is, if you want to tell short. me the
0: bottom four guys get relegated and Phil finishes in the bottom four, then he's out.
1: Or or they say, hey, if you've made 50 million in your career, you're, you're not you're not relegated. Uh, you know, you they make the rules for their tour so they can decide what they want to do. Similar yeah. to what the PGA Tour does. They make their own rules to how when they, when they want players to stay, when they want, want players to go. So it's no know. different.
0: It's just newer. It's just early. There's there's no there's no merits for this. There's no qualifications. And then if you finish 44th, you're not telling me that guy has a higher finish than the 40 uh, the 50th guy on the PGA tour. It's not. It's not the same. You know it. Making cuts is impressive. Making cuts is hard. One of the sure. greatest <laughs> records in all of, of golf is is Tiger's made
1: cut streak. It's unbelievable. No, no question. Um, but 44th on the live golf tour event is probably better than 44th on the Asian tour event, but the Asian tour still gets world world golf ranking points and they're Um, getting way less now. Yeah,
0: maybe because of the, because of the changes. So what, what happened in the world golf rankings that came out today? So a couple of years ago, they said that they were going to investigate, you know, changes, um, because they just felt like, because you said, and like we've said before in this podcast, there's these random guys that's sneak in these world golf rankings events because they dominate the Australasian tour, the Asian tour, whatever it is. And, and the, and the corn fairy guys are way better than these guys. And so and they, what, they never get a start. And what is what the, the old method is part of the formula and it's convoluted. And I have looked it up. Um, Cause I get too deep in the weeds on all this stuff, but yeah, <laughs> um, it used to only count the number of top 200 players those were the only players counted when, when they went to determine the strength of a field, it only counted the players that were the top 200 in the world rankings. So it was really just how is the top of that event? So on the Asian tour, if you had four guys in the top 200, but everyone else is in the top 5,000, it was really only counting those four. And then you could have a DP world tour event that had 50 guys in the top Mm -hmm. 200. And so it wasn't proportional. The points weren't proportional to the the depth and the entire strength of the field. They were just worried about the top guys that were in that given field. So they're now looking at it from an entire depth of field. Um, the con- the calculation is way more convoluted, and I haven't wrapped my head around the new one, but uh, that's the crux of it, is they're not just looking at the top guys in a given field. They're actually looking at the depth of the field because the depth of the PGA Tour field is damn good. The corn ferry yeah. tour is probably just as good as, as the Asian tour. When you look at the actual depth better, better. Um, and so that's going to change. And so, and here's the thing, maybe they do get world ranking points. Again, I don't think if they do get world ranking points, they should be middle school, very small. And so here's, what's going to happen is these guys are not playing in world golf ranking points events. And when you don't play, you go down in the rankings. Sure. And, and they're going to go further and further down. And then even it, it could take up to two years. They just applied um, in July for world golf rankings. It could take up mm-hmm. to two years for them to get approved just based off a of normal way. It's, sure. it's, you know, precedent of what's happened in, in years past with the, with mm-hmm. the rankings board. These guys are going to often fall out of the top 100 if they do that. And so when they do come back and you're talking about only 48 guys with at that point, not a very high end field from a world ranking. If standpoint. they keep it at 48,
1: if they keep it at 48 guys,
0: that's what they're saying. They're going to do. I mean, they've already talked yeah, I mean they're already talking about, they're going to sell these four man teams to corporations and businesses like formula one. And, you know, like yeah. red bull has a team and Ferrari has a team in formula one, they're going to try to sell these four man teams. Um, which I don't get me started on that thing. Cause I don't think that's going to be competitively fair and balanced either. Um, they're going to um, stack I don't, the deck. I don't
1: think I don't think that they're going to again I think I think they're going to get to the point where they're they're going to offer they're going to overextend their their offering to these players and now they're going to get a 48 man field and they're going to have a bunch of guys who have, have already signed that they're going to have to pay that are not playing in the events And they're the ones that are going to file some lawsuits against the live tour saying, hey, you you gave me X amount of money to play. And I'm not playing now because I wasn't a higher ranked player. So I think the live Live tour is going to extend their field to at least uh, at least 72. uh, That's why I'd be curious to see these see these contracts and see how they're written. It'd be nice to see. And I think, I think the next step is once they get over that 70, you know, 72 mark, you know, they, they're going to be forced to do that. Um, they're going to be forced to gain world ranking points uh, and apply for that based on the standards. And they're going to force to be, they're going to be forced to make a cut. Um, and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to conform a little bit. Uh, they don't have a choice. you know. Yeah, I mean, they haven't said they it yet. You might be, you might be right. They haven't said it yet. They haven't said it yet, but they are not—they're not stupid. You know, you're paying these guys to play, but again, these guys are going to play there uh, based on the money that you've given them. But if—if you limit the events that they can play in, um, in terms of the majors and some of the other some of the other things, um, and they can only play on the Live Tour, and there's only 48 guys, and people don't watch if they don't sign any any any, uh, contracts with TV uh, any any TV contracts. It doesn't take long for the players to look and be like, Hey, I don't see where this is going. You know, I understand you're going to offer me 5 million right now. I'm a a college amateur, Um, but I can't play in the majors. And I don't know if this tour is going to be around in two years. I'll take my chances with the PGA tour, especially now that I've eliminated 48 of the top players that I've got to compete against. I'll, I'll take my seven exemptions and, uh, and by that time, I'm sure the PGA Tour is going to probably work out some type of uh, contract with some of these these uh, amateurs coming up. Th- it's inevitable. The PGA Tour is going to they're going to do that. They're going to start offering these young these young players some type of guaranteed money to play in a certain number of events.
0: So, I, I think it's going to be more like what Andy said last week, and I started doing some numbers. He so got me thinking last week when I was editing the podcast. You know. Of, if you qualify to play in a PGA tour event, you get X amount of dollars. They don't, the, the PGA tour doesn't have the money to pay these guys contracts. And this would really only help out the bottom guys, which is what my idea is not really the top guys. Cause they make enough money. They don't really care. You know? Yeah. Um, but my, my thought is if you make a PGA tour event, you get $5,000. Yeah. If you, if you miss the cut, if you make the cut, you get whatever your check is. If you're in this, you minimum, minimum five grand. Right. And so I, I roughly did the math on that for the whole season would be between 15 and $20 million. They would be giving out to guys that miss the cut every week, which they can handle. They, can
1: they, handle they, they,
0: they can't handle giving guys a, a $10 million contract or an $8 million contract. That's going to add up fast. They, they can't, they just don't have the money for that. Um, Again, if it's, it's about if it's strictly about money and trying to match the live guys, they're never going to do it,
1: never. But, but if you're right, they've got to find a way, they've got to find a way to entice these young guys and give them some incentive to play on the PGA Tour. Um, whether it's through uh, the marketing aspect, hey, you're going to get marketing dollars from X, Y, Z. You know, because you're on TV and you're going to be playing on the PGA Tour, we'll give you X amount for playing. X amount of events. You know, like if, you, if you're if you able to play in 20 events, you're going to make, you know, h- you know, hundred grand minimum just for playing in the 20 events. And then whatever sponsorship dollars you make is on top of that. But that, you know, he's right that Andy, you know, made a good point. Like for a guy, for a young guy to play in a PGA tour event, you know, you're it's five grand. That's what it's going to cost. So if the PGA tour gives him five grand, he breaks even. Like he's not making any money for playing in a PGA Tour event, yet the PGA Tour is going to use if he does play. Where they're going to use his picture? They're going to use his name. They're going to say, "Hey, you know Billy Joe Bob from you know wherever in in, in America, you know young all American is playing in this PGA Tour event. Come watch." And yet, in the past, he has to come to play in that event and spend five grand to pay for yeah. His well, that's that's where the hotel. whole that's where the
0: whole media rights thing comes in and the, what the PJ tour yeah. says and what I, every, every sports organization does, they all own the rights to all these players. Media rights sure. is, is cause that's what they're selling. They lump them all together. They say as, as individual media rights, they're really not worth that much, but the lump sum of all the players media rights is what they sell to CBS, NBC, whether you're, you're the NFL, you sell it to Fox and ESPN and, um,
1: sure. But Every one of those organizations has a. In order for that player to even be marketable, they have a contract with that player. An, an organization has a contract with that player, so that player is making money. So, yeah, but so in this what? Situation is a little different. Whereas the PGA Tour is lumping all these players together, but there's no contract with that player. Like no, hey, but they're you're also been a contractor. You're playing. You, you've joined our tour for nothing. We're not paying you anything to join our tour, but we're gonna market you. We're gonna make money off of you. We're gonna sell we're gonna well, the, sell the to money. The-, the money goes back into the
0: purses. That's where the difference is. So the money they sell to make goes back into the purses, goes back into the players that way. Where the other sports are different because they're for profit. They have billionaire owners that own each team. Mm-hmm. And they got revenue sharing and profit sharing. It's not the same. It's not
1: um, yeah. We 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 could have a whole discussion on how much how much of that money goes back into the purse.
0: Uh, we've I we've talked like about it. it. We've we've looked at the numbers yeah. of what the PJ tours put out. So what you're saying is if the money doesn't go back in, where's it going then, Jay? You're saying it's just lying in the executives'
1: pockets and they got massive uh they're just stealing well, yeah. money. No, I'm not saying stealing money, but yeah, I'd like to see where where it's going. I mean it's it's obviously a debate. There's obviously a lot of players Phil Mickelson who's been on the, the, the PGA tour for 30 plus years. Yeah but he's, he's never been got- on the policy board but he's got he's got questions about it so it's it's obviously it's a point of contention so it's not as transparent as they're making it sound if you've got one of the the highest grossing uh besides tiger the highest grossing PGA tour player in the history of the tour is questioning where the money's going there's obviously a question a valid question of what's uh, going on i'm i'm not
0: sure he's uh, the most reputable guy to be speaking on it but
1: i mean i i, I will say I, i'm not a huge phil Nicholson fan but i i will say that i don't think he's a complete idiot either
0: i but uh, i okay i will also say i don't think the PJ tour is like hiding money for like strippers and cocaine like what, what do you, where do you think the money's going then like they're just gonna hold. no, I,
1: no i'm not saying no i wouldn't say that i'm not saying they're just they're they're wasteful with it i'm sure they're they're playing they're paying some of their execs a little bit more everybody gets paid a little bit more um, then they probably should, and it should be going back to so uh, Monahan the, makes eight
0: million a year. Is what they say.
1: That's, I mean, how many players make eight million a year? Okay, well, rog, rog, Roger Goodell makes 65 million. How many
0: players on the NFL make 65 million? Zero, yeah,
1: yeah, I, I
0: think that's too much, too. That's that's shitty. So, I mean, and the other thing, too, is the the hard part about the PJ Tour that the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL doesn't have to deal with. Is they don't, those leagues don't have nearly the amount of cost that the PGA Tour does because the PGA Tour has to put on week to week events. They have to spend way more money. Where in the MLB, the Boston Red Sox own Fenway Park. They spend the money to put on 82 games. The MLB doesn't spend a dime on putting on the NFL, the MLB games. The NFL doesn't spend a dime on putting on the production, the product. You know
1: what I mean? They don't spend that kind of yeah. money. The teams do. I've always thought that that was a, a fault of the PGA Tour. Why do you go around and give these give these clubs that much money to put... Like, a, a perfect example is uh, the Senior Tour event in Richmond, the CCV event. There's been talks that they give them $10 million a year to put this event on, to get the course ready. $10 million? Do you... CCV is a great golf course. Do you need to give them ten million? No, there's no reason to give them that much. If money. I was a PGA
0: Tour, I'd get rid of the Champions Tour.
1: Exactly, but my point is, there's a lot of waste, wasteful money being spent on stuff that's that's not that's not useful. Don't give a senior tour event ten million to run a, a, a PGA Tour event. Hey, do you want our event? These are the standards that you need to get the that you need to abide by to get the course ready. If you don't want to do it, then we'll go to the next. There's there's 50 clubs in Richmond that will do I agree it. with that. I agree with all that. They waste, I think they waste so much money on stuff like that in particular. You know, and, 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 and like I said, I don't think that there's, I don't think Jay Monahan is, is buying a private yacht and riding around on it. I don't think that's the case. I just think there's wasteful spending. Sure. Um, I and, can, and I they, can, they, I can buy really, that. They really hide behind the charity. Uh, side of things, which I think is great. The PGA Tour is great, one of the most, you know, the charitable uh, organizations uh, in terms of all the major organizations there is. But they they really hide behind that in terms of like, hey, we give X amount every year. Get and so don't pay attention to the other money that we waste. Uh, on, I agree. with that. So and all
0: honestly, I think they need to get rid of the Champions Tour. Like it's it's good and all, and it's fun, and it's nice to say you can you can play past fifty, but I mean, nobody watches that. I'd rather more money go to the Corn Ferry Tour than, than the Champions Tour. Sure. Let's let's well, support the the next generation, not the old generations. Like,
1: well, let's just maybe wait for twenty more years, and then we can get rid of it. I got I got ten more years till uh, I'm gonna try to get out there. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, yeah, I get rid
0: of the whole uh, abolish the whole thing. and You'll have all kinds of money. Um, I mean, hell, the PJ Tour is the only tour that makes money. I mean, they. They the because of the PGA Tour, they have the money to put on the Champions Tour. They have the money to put on the Corn Fairy Tour. Mm-hmm. They have the money to put on the Latin American Tour. They have the money to put on the yeah. Canadian Tour. Two of two of which, three of which, you have played on. Um, yeah, and so you, you mean I, essentially, you could say get rid of everything but the Corn Fairy and the PGA Tour. Get rid of them all.
1: Sure. Yeah. Just have if those. You're not, if you're if you're not going to do a jo- good job of facilitating the development of this tour and and progressing the tour which they haven't done for the, the Latin America tour, the, uh, PJ tour, Canada, PJ tour, China, um, and the champions tour. If you're not going to do a good job of promoting it and facilitating it, then just get rid of it. Put the money yeah. back into, put the money back into the PGA tour and give the guys who have earned it, give them, give them the money that they're, that they're due.
0: And also support the little guys though. And that's where the tough part is, is, like we were t- said last week, and I said I don't think this is going to help the little guys. It's only going to try to help whatever they do is going to help the big guys. Well, it's got to be well, but- they got to be they they have to play both sides of the fence. They got to support the the Justin Thomases just as much as they support um the
1: Pearson cooties or whoever you want to name. Well, well, get in my opinion, get out of get out of the all the other tours. Let someone else run that organization. You know, partner up with someone else, like. Let, you know, I, and I use this term because I played on this tour, but let the Hooters tour, you know, facilitate the, the AAA, you know, tour in the U S you know, partner up with them and say, Hey, you know what, if you, this is a marketing tool for you, a Hooters tour, we'll give you 20 spots to the PGA tour. Hey, no, we, we've got no money invested here. Just agreement, just an agreement. Um if you run your tour the right way we're we'll just giving them a, a, a spot of final stage of Q school just since yeah. now Q school uh, whatever, we'll go to whatever it is whatever they come up with we're out you run it you handle the day to day this is your operation we have a partnership with you whatever you whatever five players finish in the top 5 on the order of merit they earn uh PJ Tour cards okay that's it we're out we don't we don't have to facilitate or, or deal with any of that money you deal with it and right now, I think they lose a lot of money because they try to they try to facilitate the Corn Ferry Tour, the PJ Tour uh, China, PJ Tour Canada, PJ Tour to China.
0: China doesn't exist anymore. They ended that a couple it, years ago.
1: It, it's gone. Okay, fair enough. But these other tours that they try to facilitate, and they lose money on these on these deals, uh, whether it's staffing and uh, coordination uh, for for the you know ten to fifteen week schedule. They lose money, Um, and it's obviously not proven itself, proven its worth. Get rid of of it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yep. Get rid of the money. Give the money to the guys. I mean that that are that are making the difference. You know, you're watching on TV. That's fine. Yeah. Um.
0: So, I had something else to say. Oh, real fast on the whole lawsuit thing. I don't think either organization wants to get to discovery where they have to put out evidence um i mean hell lives already redacting the contracts i mean that we haven't even got to the evidentiary portion of the lawsuit and they don't want these contracts out in the public for whatever reason they don't want
1: i'm sure there's some i'm sure there's some terms in there that uh are gonna just you know expose the live the live tour, and, and I'm sure and I'm family. sure Monahan doesn't want certain
0: things out. Whether it's probably more, I would say probably more from a communications. He doesn't want texts and emails and phone calls and that kind of stuff probably yeah. out with you know things he's maybe tried to push his thumb down on, um, yeah, and things he he said or how they've handled situations and maybe he doesn't mm-hmm. want his books completely opened up for whatever reason and. Um, I don't yeah. think either, either side really wants this to get down that road. And it, again, it may be a couple of years before it
1: does. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. How do you, how do you feel about a live, um, a live golf tour, PGA tour, Ryder cup format?
0: It would be awesome. Cause now it sounds like these guys fucking hate each other. Um, I mean, it would be epic. Rex, like- Rex Hoggard said, when I was watching the golf channel the night after the, the verdict came down, he said he was texting with, I don't know if I remember if it was an agent or a manager who was in Memphis at the St. Jude. And he's, he asked, he asked him like, what's the vibe there? And the manager was in the locker room and he said, there was 20 tour pros around an iPad watching the proceedings. Cause I guess it was actually on zoom. You could get in and watch these proceedings on zoom. He said there was a couple big names. He mentioned Rom and McElroy. And he said 20 guys huddled around an iPad watching. And when the verdict came down, they all like cheered and were like high-fiving. And it was like, oh. they don't want these guys to succeed now. They were like, okay. Yeah. And they, some of these guys, and I think it's a little overstated. Some of them are like, oh, well you're suing me now. And I, and I get what they mean. Cause it's a player run organization and the money that the PJ tour is going to have to spend on their defense is going to come out of their purses or whatever, you know, or the kitty that they have. And it seems like more now than even before, like before, you know, when it first started, they're like, oh yeah, they can do what they want. If they want to go play, that's fine. I'm still going to play practice rounds with them and be buddy, buddy with them. And Kevin Strillman came out today and said, yeah, I'm buddies with, with, with Taylor Gooch. He goes, if these guys have, you know, this was before the decision before this was this morning, he was like, yeah, if these guys get to play this weekend, you won't see me having breakfast or lunch with them. You know, yeah. Um, so they actually seems like there's a, a little bit more of a hatred and a rivalry brewing uh between these guys. And yeah. so um one other piece of journalism that I did, uh I reached out to and um again, based off of what Andy said last week, I reached out to um a source um in connection with the LPGA and asked the source what their thoughts are on what's potentially gonna happen out there. And the source said, if Liv tries to go after the women, they're all going. It's gonna be way too much money to turn down. That they feel that the LPGA tour will try to work with Liv and coexist in some form or fashion. Didn't get specifics on what my source thought on, on as, as far as how they would see that, you know, the logistics of that working out the source said that if the LPJ tour tries to do what the PJ tour is doing, as far as suspensions and bands and that kind of stuff that the LPJ tour will,
1: will, will no, long, to exist.
0: no longer exist, yeah. um, this source was not aware of any, um, offers or talks that have started yet or been made yet to any players. Um, but yeah, there's a little little tidbit there of, of some journalism. Yeah, no, that,
1: that's I I would say, uh, given the fact that majority of the players in the LPGA tour are foreign, and I say foreign like outside of the U.S. uh I I feel like if there was a if there was a foreign a foreign. Uh. Um conglomerate that's going to offer some type of tour or some type of other option for you know professional golf and with with the amount of money that they're offering it wouldn't surprise me if like i said majority of the 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 pga tour or lpga tour majority of these these girls are foreign so it wouldn't surprise me if they all jump ship quickly so the lpga tour needs to be on top of that 100% if they want to the keep keep things going the the direction that they have um you know I, I, I it's it's this is a tough time, and we've talked about this i'm i mean it's not it's not ideal i mean we all want you know we just want to tune in on sunday and watch the best players play every week um and unfortunately we haven't had that for 20 years Um, and it doesn't sound like we're going to get it for the next few. It doesn't sound like we're going to get it for the next few, but we haven't had it for quite some time. Um, and unfortunately it, 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 this is, this is what it takes. Um, you're going to have some, um, I don't know what's the right word. I don't want to, I don't want to call Greg Norman a, uh, a villain, but I mean, he pretty at this point, but it does take, it does take a villain to, to create a superhero. Um, and I think if the, if the PGA tour wants to be the superhero, we've got a we've, you've got to fight the the villain and we haven't, the PGA tour hasn't had that. And I, I keep kind of going back to that. They've and, 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 and no fault of their own. Like if no one's pressuring you, if no one's pushing you, if no one's forcing you to change your ways to make it better, then you're going to keep doing what you're doing. And it's just in the last couple of years, it's come to the forefront that the way that they've run things is not ideal. Um, For the players, obviously we, we, we wouldn't have the, the disputes that we've had, but from the viewer standpoint, um, we go back and look at the viewership the average age of the viewership is is 60 plus you know how are we growing the game and i'm not trying to say that live golf is growing the game i'm not i'm not saying that but how are we growing the game if if the average age is 60 plus uh, i can't get my son to sit down and watch um a pj tour event because it's boring um you know i'm not saying the live tour is is the answer but there's something that we have to do to get more people interested in the game and shaking this up and having something else another tour pushing the envelope is 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 what we need in my opinion um I, again i don't know how quickly it's going to it's going to progress and and if we're going to get to where we want to be sooner but 40 events uh in the US uh 20 of which are uh, events that most people don't watch if you look at the viewership um they're pretty low um and it's like, okay what what are we doing you know wh- what how can we make this better that's yeah. that's what it comes I th- down to. I, how can I we think, make this better
0: i think there needs to be some some serious reform from the the schedule and the events and the competitive nature of of all this and um the the product that they're putting out for the fans, for the viewers. And I have some ideas and heard some interesting ideas recently and some takes. I don't want to go down that road now, because this has already been a very long podcast um, to begin with. And we still got to make our picks, but um, maybe we'll table that for,
1: Yeah, sure
0: we'll, I'm sure we'll be having a more discussions on the coming weeks as, as, as we I find out if Cam Smith officially goes or not with those guys and, and how that shakes he's out. Gone. But I think he's gone and, which is really the biggest name? I think the biggest player, maybe not biggest name, the biggest player to go. Because you can make the argument some guys are maybe a little banged up and injured. Bryson and Brooks, DJ. Does he really care that much anymore? You know, he's he's my age. He's thirty-seven, which doesn't sound old, but it's old. You know, and he's kind of on the downside of starting to descend. You get a lot of guys that are in their forties. A lot of guys that we'd never heard of. Well, wow. I think DJ is the only one in the top twenty. That's,
1: I mean, Cam's, on the tour, Cam Smith, Cam would, Smith would be the 20th, highest rank, highest ranked, highest ranked player in his twenties. Right? He's twenty eight years old. He's the
0: number two ranked player in the world. He's the reigning Open champion. He's the reigning Players champion. The flagship event of the PJ Tour. So that is that is a huge get for Live. Um, yeah because of his recent most recent credentials where some of the guys on the live tour have credentials from years ago he has the most recent credentials and he's young present. in his prime
1: present credentials
0: yes so um but we'll we'll get to to that down the road i will say you know what opened up today the live media credential portal to sign up for the boston Let's event go.
1: Let's Um, get some credentials.
0: So I'm going to try to work on that tomorrow, potentially uh, before I head out of town, but uh, we'll, we'll see if we can put in a submit an application for a credential for live golf.
1: Like it. Like it. You have
0: to, you have to come as my security.
1: I'll go. We'll go together.
0: You'll be my detail. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's get in. We, we do have an exciting couple of weeks here. You want to talk about top players in the world playing together? Well, for the most part, we would have had more if it wasn't for Liv, but um, we would have them all playing the next three weeks. And so this is event number one of the playoffs, the St. Jude, uh, the FedEx St. Jude Championship at TPC Southwind. They've played this golf course for years. It used to be a WGC event, so they got rid of it and turned it into a playoff event. So, um, yeah, you're, you're the winner
1: from last week. You go ahead. All right, I'll do it. I'll start from the bottom. I got three guys all priced the same, uh, Seamus powers, 7,600 bucks. Um, didn't play well at the open championship with his last event, but prior to that really, really good golf. Um, and he's had a, he's had a really good year. Taylor Pendrith. Um, I don't need to go into, uh, too much detail on, on how he's been playing as of recent, uh, 7,600 bucks. Uh, and then Corey Conner, Corey Connors, I'm sorry, 7,600 bucks. He did not play particularly great at the Wyndham, but not, not bad. Finished 21st. Um, it Just overall solid golf. Again, his strength is his ball striking, drives the ball well. Great iron player. It really comes down to his putting if he, if his short game kind of matches up, if it does, he finishes in the top 10. If he, if he doesn't, he finishes top 25. So I, I'm actually okay with, with taking that risk at 7,600 bucks. Um, then I bump up to, uh, Joaquin Neiman, 8,100 bucks. Uh, again, you know nothing crazy here. He's he's played really solid uh, this year. He had one bad finish at the Travelers, seventy three seventy, but outside of that, uh, some really solid golf. And again, same thing, really great ball striker. So um, we'll give him a shot, I think he, I think he's going to play well. Uh, Cam Young, ninety three hundred bucks. You know I don't need to go into too much detail. The last two finishes he's had: uh, Rocket Mortgage second, Open Championship second. Um, in the PGA championship, third Wells Fargo, second RBC heritage, third, like a lot of really top five finishes. So the, the the guns and the ammo are there. Um, it's just a matter of whether he, he can follow through. And then I am, I'm going to ride the horse here for my last pick at 9,700. I think he's turned the corner. Um, he's feeling good really good big Tony season. Tony female is just rolling through the playoffs. I think he's just ready to go. I think he's top 10. I think he's top 10, top 10 win at any point. And I think he, I think he's, I think on Sunday, uh, at Eastlake, he is competing for, uh, the FedEx cup championship. Is he, okay, who, who's your pick to win the FedEx cup playoffs? Uh, I don't want to say it's Tony, but I feel like he's right in the mix. I think he's—I think he's playing well enough to where he's in it. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it were uh, Patrick Cantlay uh, and Rory McIlroy. I mean, those three guys kind of are playing really good golf, so I think I put them up there.
0: Okay. All right. So we have a couple, uh, couple duplicates on our team here. So I'll start at the bottom. Uh, Seventy-two hundred dollars. Cam Davis. Has just put together a very quiet, Mm -hmm. solid resume recently. Um, Last four events, he's been in the top 15, two top 10s. -hmm. Pretty good. Just solid ball striker. Um, Pretty much my whole team, I would say, are just solid ball strikers. Some are better with the flat stick than others. Then I go up to uh, Corey Connors, 7,600, I think, at this golf course. TPC Southland, not the longest golf course. You know, I think it's like 73, 72, 7, par 70. He's going to hit a lot of fairways. He's going to hit a lot of greens, not a great putter, but I think that's a, a solid top 15 finish there for Corey and um, kind of dipped uh, a little bit this year and, and starting to try to find a little bit of form here. A couple uh, top 25s recently. Then I go up to 7,700 Aaron Wise. Mm.
1: He is 7,700 Aaron wise.
0: Yeah, it's a great deal. He is 28th in the FedEx cup points and he's $7,700. Again, he had a bad travelers. Other than that has been playing some really steady golf almost all year. Hits the ball very well. Is an average putter. He's not terrible. I'd say he's about average. Um, I'm not sure where his numbers, you know, sit, but he hits the ball well off the tee. He's a great iron player. And he's, I thought that was just a steal at 7,700 dollars. And then I go up to Joaquin Neiman, uh, just like you had. Haven't picked him in a while. Usually I, I picked him a lot earlier in the year. Um, I just think he's going to fit here pretty well. Then I go to my boy Sugar Shane Lowry, 8,300. Another, he's I thought. He's
1: coming, coming off a rough finish there.
0: Yeah, not great at Wyndham. Um, I think part of that was you know making the cut on the number and having to fly back Saturday morning because he was already home in Florida. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that kind of kind of messed with him there. Didn't play great, but other than that, has been had an awesome awesome year. Um, I like him at TPC Southwind, and then um, my last guy, who's also my pick to win the FedEx Cup playoffs, he's going to come in in his cape, the PGA Tour savior. Oh my Mr. God! Don't
1: say it, Rory McIlroy. Oh, okay. I can, I thought you were going to go Justin Thomas, which is going to make me throw up. In this <laughs> much fun, But it's the fact that you said, Rory, I'm okay with it. He, he, that guy's got a cape and when he wants to pull it out, he, he can.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff with live, I think it's almost spurred him on this year. I think he's going to be pissed about that third place finish at the open. He hasn't played since then. Um, I think he's going to be a man on a mission these next three weeks. And, um, I think he's, I'm not sure if he wins this week, but he's going to be your FedEx cup champion by the time the three weeks are
1: over. Oh, wow. This what, is it. He's won one. Has he won two? I think he's won two. Oh, this would be three. So no one's won three FedEx cup championship. No. Nope. Tiger's but, got two VJ's got two, right?
0: I think so. I should, oh. I should know this. Yeah. And if, if you're, uh, if you said, can't like If he wins, he'd be the first ever back-to-back winner.
1: Ah, oh, that would be crazy. Um, I do know I mean, no one's won a back-to-back. He's playing, he's playing well enough to to possibly do that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, there it is. Um. There it is. All right. Um. I'm looking forward put, to it. It's put um, those lineups on the the big money, the big money DraftKings uh contests, and let's see what happens. Yeah. Trust us. I'm gonna. We we uh, know what
0: I'm. I'm not gonna say I'm like loving my team, but I'm pretty confident in my team. I think we're gonna do okay. Um, so we'll see. I've had a good good summer with DraftKings.
1: Yeah,
0: and we're just gonna um, keep it going. And awesome. um, yeah, long episode, but thanks for listening. I thought we had a good in depth discussion on a lot of items. Uh, we'll be back next week again. Another Tuesday show next week. I think we'll be down Jaybird because he's got a business meeting somewhere. Business. Business. Businessman. businessman he's a, he's a businessman <laughs> uh so okay, as always thanks to our listeners enjoy the fedex cup round one of the playoffs the saint jude championship and we'll be back next week cheers <music>